Welcome to The Future State, the show where we take important topics from different industries, dissect them, and look at where they're heading in the future. Nick, we're going to talk around the future state of mobile phones today. Do you want to dive in? Oh, straight in, just like that. I wasn't ready for it. Well, I think we should. Yeah, why, why not? We've only got, we're going to try and keep it to half an hour today. Do you want me to do the setup? Got a new setup and I'll knock them down. With the latest iPhone releases and the latest iOS update, we're seeing devices becoming more and more personalised, more and more useful. So it's not just apps and phone, there's a lot more going on underneath the bonnet. TikTok also hit a billion users, monthly active users this week. We're seeing things happening in, in record time. And that's because of obviously the volume and the size of size of these platforms and apps, but also just because of the, everyone's got at least one mobile phone. We're trying to understand how much addiction and engagement's happening on, on the devices and Apple and Google are trying to work for or against it, depending on the advertising model. We're thinking around the future state, so AR, VR is always something that's brought up. But are we being missold it a little bit? Nick's going to be the expert to be able to dive into that one. How feasible is it really to walk around with a headset on or walk around with something that's in your palm or embedded into you? And then it ties in nicely with the metaverse and how everyone's trying to decide what the future is or trying to force the future happening. So we'll dive into those four or five different topics. Sounds sensible. And yeah, there's lots going on in this space. I think whenever there's an iPhone released, there's a little bit of buzz around it. Still, I don't know how they do it. The genius marketeers probably of our generation, but there's still that buzz. And I think it's one of those things with smartphones. Like we've been here before, year on year. What we see is obviously different things being released on a yearly basis. There's a cycle here. But the, for, me, like, for me, like smartphones aren't going anywhere at any time despite all of the talk around AR, VR mixed in the metaverse. We can get into that later, but at the end of the day, look, the, the smartphone is a computer that fits in your pocket. It's the Swiss army knife of tools. It has storage, it sends and receives data, makes and receives calls, video calling now, which is becoming a big social space for people to hang out in, especially Gen Z, who can nip into their Facebook Messenger, video call, share things in that four-way video call or x amount of people video call zoom same thing it they're becoming social space in a much different way like a it's almost like the hybrid of physical meets digital the hybrid is obviously the same way zoom has transformed the warm workplace video calling is doing the same i think in in social spaces now because we've seen apple coming out again there's obvious upgrades and improvements that are made year on year to smartphones. The battle, the features battle has raged the last 10 years. We've seen 4G compatible, 5G compatible, better cameras, higher megapixel, shoot in the dark, filtering and edit ability, more memory, longer battery life. Thank God the days of someone who's like, I've got an Android phone that lasts much longer than your iPhone are gone. But it was quite good fun. <laughs> at the time playing the game with yourself or who's going to tell me that their android lasts a, li a little bit longer so there's always been those things and there will continue to be those things you're from 5g we'll go to 6g faster charging better battery tech over the air charging better screen tech we're already seeing the foldable screens oled for videos with the ability to switch to like e-ink for reading so you're getting the best of whatever you're consuming on that phone you're seeing it in the best format possible 
port changes like we saw when Apple removed the audio jack and everyone went crazy and it forced us all to wireless mm. even though you're still wearing wired ones what a good idea though on a tube you don't have to worry about someone pulling the wire out your headphones and then trying to scoop them up off the ground before someone else tangles their legs in them and I've, i was an early adopter of the wireless there you go we'll see probably sleeker designs we always see that all What's the bevel on the edge looking, blah, blah, blah. We're going to see probably more sustainably manufactured phones. And that'll probably be a push. But this is all just consumer-facing functionality wars, marketing spiel to get people to buy devices. Penetration levels will continue to rise. They're already sky high anyway. Utility applications will continue to grow. We'll see, again, that online banking, especially in developing countries, you want that banking on your phone you're not going to sit at a laptop you probably don't own one you want everything to run via your phone your life your banking all your utilities everything's in there and it will continue to be our data and control center but i think what's really interesting is behavioral changes like, i think there's so much we can dig into around those kind of behavioral changes one of the big problems we've face with smartphones we've all seen it if there's anybody listening to this podcast that hasn't been out to dinner and looked over and seen a couple on the next table not talking to each other both on their phones or a family where the kids have got ipads shoved in front of their faces or smartphones in front of their faces and then the adults probably checking the message on their on their phones as well not talking to each other like there's big problems for me if you haven't seen that you're living on a different planet because it's so prevalent i've seen it so many times and i think there's this huge issue with digital distraction presence social interactions that the phone so far has an intended consequences back to what you mentioned earlier about what are they trying to do around addicting to phones everybody was gamifying mobile apps as much as possible to push engagement levels retention and, every, and, and all these other key metrics that allow them to secure VC funding to grow and get more more evil. But it was just the way of the world at the time. It was just the way of the world at the time. No one thought about it. No one knew the damage they were having on humanity and, and these fragile minds that we have that were so easily led. I think that this is where things for me get interesting. Like the features are just features. It's just marketing. But what gets interesting is behavioral changes. So that for me, is what I want to dig into more. What about you? Where's your head at with this? You said something really uh, interesting that I think a lot of people don't realise. Steve Jobs would have hated the amount of push notifications that are happening on the phone. He was meticulous in the use cases, was meticulous on overseeing every part of it. I'm not a huge Steve Jobs fanboy. I appreciate what he did for for Apple and what he's done for, for tech. However... He, he wasn't known to be the most uh, cooperative or collaborative of bosses, but he would, he would have hated the push notifications. He would have hated how addicted people were. What you said around behavioural change is something that when I make notes before we, we uh, start recording was something that I think is probably the most important part of what mobiles did. I would say that everyone's saying that technology didn't, has changed behavior what i'd say is just amplified what people were doing but with different formats so people on the train you know in the mornings we used to read newspapers and they used to speak to each other when you used to go out you would probably have a slightly better different level of conversation maybe but when it's the kids using 
the iPads at the table. You know, I've spoken to plenty of parents that say, would you rather have a noisy restaurant with kids or would you rather get them playing on a, an iPad? Then, you know, I, I know which one I'd choose personally, but it's, I think it's, it's... It's wrong, though. It's wrong. We're killing creativity. We're killing... Like, boredom, boredom breeds creativity. Mm. And we are killing boredom with a sledgehammer. Everything is on demand, like instant gratification. As soon as you want it, it's there. I remember the days of waking up at 6am on a Sunday morning, going downstairs, turning on the telly, being like, holy... Transworld Sport. Transworld Sport. Jason and the Wheel Warriors. That's when it, like... But I had to wait to at least 7am before it started to get good. Transworld, I think, was 7am. Oh, what was that other show? I just thought of another show. That one that was it's slightly different. It was on in the evenings. It was more of a sex-based show. Anyway, stick away from that. <laughs> We'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, like, do you know what I mean? You had to go through the boredom to get your rewards. You had to think of other things to do. You had to stimulate your mind. You had to daydream in those bored moments. You had to do a puzzle, build some Lego, do something to occupy yourself but, uh, that made you inherently develop your creativity. And I, I think communication, like this one, kind of happy to see people doing more video calling and that being a trend because otherwise it's just messes meshes no human interaction of any kind at least if you can see people's faces like i'm looking at you now on the podcast people are only going to hear us now when you're talking about steve jobs i'm the only one that knows you've got a turtleneck and circular glasses on right now and you're slagging <laughs> off steve but like it's so important to have that that facial connection with people and see them when you're interacting with them and and you know that this is where i hate it i hate like i'll just shove an iphone in front of kids to shut them up it's like how about talk to them how about <laughs> trying to play a game we play games like at dinner all the time because because yeah. we're not allowed <laughs> devices so we're like think like my three-year-old went out for dinner the other night whilst the six-year-old was at a party and we were like this animal is, and you had to describe, like, it's got four legs, it's got, like, a mane, and then you've got to guess, and you go, oh, we're playing I Spy, or we're doing these things. And we generally try to go towards those things rather than devices. But it's the easy... Devices have become the easy option. It's the easy option to mm. ignore other humans in whatever scenario comes up. Like, I sit on the sofa, we're ignoring each other with our devices, me and, the, me, me and my partner. It, yeah. Here's my, yeah, here's my sort of other side of it. If you're extroverted or ambiverted with an extroverted lean-in, you're going to be always okay in a social environment. This is true. If you're introverted and introverted ambivert, you're going to be more reserved and you can't have, you don't know how to have those conversations. Mm. So obviously when you're in the formative years, so when you're conditioned, when you're a bit younger and into your teenage years, you're not having the exposure that maybe you do need. Like I'm into social science, but I can't tell you every fear that social scientists probably have from addictive phones. But I'd say it's probably opened up as much for some groups of people as others. Nick also, when he said around my turtleneck, etc. for full disclosure, I record on a MacBook Pro. I have an iPad with my notes on and my iPhone near me. So I'm Apple fanboy I'm as a in fan. from a device perspective yeah and <laughs> I'm uh, ashamed and I, yeah and i've got the gen one watch which we'll talk around in, in a minute and i've got the the airpods pro but i think it's something that you said and I've, it ties in nicely with with it is 
we are there anytime, anywhere generation. So the micro moments are being completely filled. So anything that we used to be bored with can be completely filled with education, entertainment, anything like that. And then we've got like the boredom factor. Some would argue that's not a bad thing because that's when some people struggled with with filling the time or being able to be creative, but I'm a full believer in it. One thing that I think we we need to sort of break down is I spoke for like an online high an online conference this week and it was around like app usage and tribes and herds and communities and how they form. And one thing that's really interesting is technologies, you know, Apple, Google, Samsung, etc., have really enabled people to build apps in a way that enables so many different entertainment or engagement apps. But it's the app creators that are the ones that have that have changed some of the behaviour. And if you look at any of the top ten apps now, they typically look and act around the same sort of thing. It's either camp it's utilitarian, so it's like weather, banking, like you said, or it's something that's slightly different. So it's either entertainment engagement or it's camera first now, so the front camera first. And it's you as the protagonist, so you as the character, the main character in your own story. And we're seeing it more and more. So like App Annie Data, you know, sync brings it up every quarter when they update it. You know, similar web proves the same thing. Is these apps are the same. They they rarely change, but it's just the length of time we're spending on them every day that generally increases and then how you're spending your money. So for me, that's why I think the form factor, so actually moving away from a physical mobile phone, it's going to be really difficult for a lot of people because you're so invested in the apps, you're so invested in the ecosystem, you're so invested into the companies that create them. And even the iPad mini, the new one, that's actually a better spec, a higher spec with a much better processor in it than any of the high-end iPhones you can get, but it's slightly too big even for a, you know, a phablet. It's too big for a phone that you could use as a tablet. But I think there's two ways that we might see things happen. We might go larger form factor and it's normal to carry around something bigger, or we're gonna everyone's going to try to go smaller again. And I don't, my own personal belief is flips probably won't work because the, the glass cracks continually. Like they only test up to a thousand flips, generally a thousand to two thousand flips. So are we going to, for something that looks good, are we going to risk it breaking and then having to send it away and getting updated or, you know, having to recycle every six months and every 12 months? But my true belief with this is that app companies won't be able to push forward with a new form factor. And I think Apple and Google are so reliant on it. Unless they come up with something completely world-changing, that we'll be having this glass device in front of us for five to 10 to 15 years ahead. We might see combinations, but I think we're seeing this evolution. My only thought would be with children and stuff is, do we decide that they can't have the smartest of smartphones or do we do we dumb it down a little bit? But mm. yeah, I, think I wonder what good, you think. No, it's a good point on the kids' side. I think there's lots of things in what you said that I'd love to pick up on. And I'll probably forget all of them within 10 seconds. So we'll start with the kids one because that's... Uh, but I, I certainly think dumber phones. I was having a conversation with someone the other day, but it was you, about Blackberries. And Blackberries were yeah. just like the purest form of... I think Crack. we peaked with Black... Like you you played some 
don't know, blockbuster game on it or something like that. But I didn't really play games in it because it was a bit, I thought it was a bit rubbish. But maybe I played Pong with the nipple. Maybe. But it was just that nice sweet spot between calling, texting, emails. And those basic needs at the time, we were talking about WAP dial-up and things like that. It was like the internet capability was like so painful you didn't use it. But it was such a nice kind of sweet spot that it did all those key utilities you needed. And it was great. And I can certainly see, I've spoken to a lot of parents about, I'm always asking like questions about smartphones and, and digital consumptions in different with different parents who have kids of different age groups and they're like it's so important to know where they are be able to get hold of them i was speaking to a mum actually saturday night and she was saying that here's the deal like you, you need your phone on you and i need to be able to get hold of you whenever i call i need to know that you're safe because her view is that it's a dangerous world out there for kids these days people carrying knives and everything else and i've had a couple of chats with people recently and we live out in the home counties and they were saying that yeah like the, there is a knife problem we don't hear about it people aren't getting stabbed like willy-nilly like more in london or other places that that have these real kind of gang knife crime issues but it's there people are carrying and it's a, a dangerous world so i certainly think you've got certain age groups where you want to be able to get hold of them then there's peer pressure that makes that transition change and kids want more connectivity but then comes other problems like bullying and other things and that's a whole other show um but i think that kind of form factor is really interesting the way i see the smartphone moving is that, like I said, it's the computer in your pocket. It is your data center. And whatever else you use, we're already seeing it, right? Like smartwatch. Like your phone powers the smartwatch on your wrist in the same way that if we look at Apple's patents for whatever they're going to create, VR, mixed reality, whatever it is, glasses-based, it is going to be powered from your phone. Oculus is the same, Oculus Quest. You download the Quest app onto your phone and that's how you really set up in the initial stages the Oculus Quest headset. So the phone is the computer in your pocket that will power these other form factors, these other devices that we will start to use and move to. And that's why, like one of the things you mentioned was basically the reliance on certain things. And from my perspective, when I look at it at a business or marketing level, it's about creating asset value. There's a lot of asset value in these platforms like Facebook, which is why you don't delete them. Your assets are your friend who slowly after time, you probably realize you've changed a lot from when you went to school with them. But you've got that, you've got that connection to the past, that nostalgia, that interesting, oh, I wonder what they're doing now type. You've got your photo a decade longer. You've got these photos that someone pulls out an old school photo. The only way you're going to see it is when they tag you on Facebook and upload it. So we have this huge asset value in these things, which make them difficult to get rid of. And then you layer upon that the ability which Facebook have done very well, and they've leveraged their reach to do this, and that's Facebook login. So then you become reliant on login identity based things being linked to your Facebook as well. And it's genius from Facebook that Facebook will be a touch point across your life at multiple different places and you're not going to want to get rid of it and i think these things like utility apps for me have always been the more interesting apps because they're the ones you have like you use regularly you get the tube in london you use tube map you bet you do your online banking you check whatever balances online 
you might have your utility provider that you submit your meter readings to via an app on your phone. Like all of these things exist as really easy shortcuts on your phone that you can do very quickly and very easily. And utility apps for me have always been the ones that you don't need to spend tons of marketing money on them because once you've got critical mass of audience, you've got high retention because people just need those apps and keep coming back and keep using them. And I think Facebook has become one of those utility apps. It didn't start life that way, but it's moved to it, especially with login and identity and, and all these different things. Yeah, the, One thing to jump in there, yeah, and the, I think we touched on this in the future state of social media, is when Facebook realised years ago that they were losing out their utility, so it'd become in like an every 10-minute thought process and checking the app and pushing more notifications, is they were smart in their acquisition. So they bought WhatsApp, they bought Instagram, so people, they knew that Instagram was the, was the private new tribe network that everyone wanted to get on, so they bought that. They knew that groups were forming on WhatsApp, so they bought that. What they, They're not allowed to do that now, which is... Which is great for most of us but like you said like they knew and they were steps ahead i think where they're struggling now is relevancy so how are they relevant for the next five to ten years but as long as there's personalized advertising facebook's going to be relevant so oh yeah the biggest advertising platform in the world and when you look at cost per acquisition compared to an above the line or something else it's insane you'll reach targeting potential like the actual ROI on what you're spending on your ads and the tracking capability of that as well is, is huge and it, it just ticks so many boxes. I think on the other side as well, like where Facebook have been really smart, bringing it back to the devices and, and what you were saying about front-facing camera, rear-facing camera is what they're wanting to do in AR, VR, mixed reality. And obviously Apple, we mentioned as well with what they're trying to do um, and how the smartphones will power, they're already powering AR experiences, right, through the camera, and they'll start to power more and more experiences as the supercomputer that sits behind. There was an interesting, I was having an interesting discussion yesterday about 5G chips in VR headsets, and do you read 5G receiver that close to your, your, your head? So what's more likely is that probably, and I don't know the science behind this, and probably someone will tell me that it makes no difference, but your phone will probably receive it and then pass that through somehow, probably in a less harmful way. Not sure how harmful radio waves are. Yeah. We'll burn them again. We'll be back at 3G just for safety reasons in a few years. Power by that smartphone. But this is where Facebook are making huge investment. And this is why they acquired Oculus. And this is why they're looking at AR and VR. And just quick story on VR this week. I was down, <laughs> humble brag, I was down at Downing Street on Monday um, for an event. <laughs> If you see my profile picture, it's me outside number 10 everywhere now. It's going to make you sick. <laughs> Shameless. I only changed one, I think. But anyway, I was down there. We were we were in a, at an event with a, a client that we'd been working with. That client hadn't experienced. They were using some of our tech and all they'd really seen is our 3D visualizations in 2D. They hadn't experienced the VR. So they came down to the office Wednesday and it was six people, mixed age ranges, probably from mid to late 20s, maybe early 30s. And then some people probably, I'd say, 45, 50 plus. And one of them was, they're all blown away by it, but there was one in particular who was like, I'm going to buy a VR headset today. She's you're telling me that I can go and visit an art exhibition with my mum. I can be in London and she's in Germany and I can get this headset on her and I can go and meet her in the Tate 
to do a social VR experience and tour around the Tate together. And which is, yeah, what we're doing shortly, probably my marketing team will kill me. Too much information, pull it back. But the, yeah, and she's, we can do a tour together. And I'm like, yeah, like you can meet, you can go on this tour, you can speak in VR. You just communicate without, you just listen and you talk and it's like being together with someone in a room or in a place but these are at home experiences and this is she was blown away by this that she could have that moment of connection in a virtual space and this goes back to your anytime anywhere comment where geography wasn't a factor and this was incredible for her and it's the same way that people in a lesser non-immersive place the same way it's like more than a billion people facebook reported this week more than a billion people use ar experiences that are powered by spark with 600 million users each month across facebook and instagram using ar which is insane showing the growth we've all known pokemon go we're seeing more and more come into this kind of ar space to bring the digital into the physical and overlay that information and obviously so highly just so I was just, just going to say the, highly reliant on the uh, smartphone cameras. Give them, give the uh, audience that might not listen to the AR VR episode, give them an idea of when you use it. So when you use AR, so sure. So there's lots of different use cases. The one that's always classically referenced is Pokemon Go when you're chasing Pokemon around the street and you can only see them through your smartphone. But since then, a lot more has come up. We look at Snapchat, Snap filters where we're putting like an animal on our face or an overlay or we're doing James Bond No Time to Die or we're doing Coco from Disney, whatever it may be, and we're, we're screenshotting that and then we're sharing it on social, that's all AR. And it goes right the way down to now things like trying on products. So, for example, Ray-Ban, if I want to try my Ray-Bans on virtually before going to the store ordering online, I can superimpose those onto my... And they're happening everywhere. We're seeing it being baked into the native functionality of apps like Facebook and Instagram. We're seeing it with Ikea if we want to drop a piece of furniture in a room before purchasing it online. And it's gone mainstream. So 82% Facebook users have used AR in the past year. And there's been over 1.2 million effects published on Facebook and Instagram, which is insane. And there's people effects that we spoke about with with uh, Snapchat where you're adding a filter to your face and sending it to your friends or you're doing a FaceTime on Apple and you're changing yourself into a shark head, which is always fun for the kids. Or you're overlaying basically on the world around you, so world effects. So they're the two types of kind of main effects that we see. And AR has become huge using that camera uh, functionality, the front facing or back facing in your smartphone. And the smartphone is really the gateway to AR and then it will need to be different devices that connect to your smartphone such as glasses we've seen Ray-Ban and Facebook come out with Snapchat style glasses with cameras in the arms and some connectivity there they're not full mixed reality glasses where you're overlaying things um, but you can easily take photos and other things we've seen I think it was this week it was a hundred million investment in a mixed reality glass there's been the Mreal glasses that, so it's N and Real, R-E-A-L, glasses that are 
actually a more practical version of what Magic Leap tried to do. They're more basic, but they're getting pretty good results and they've just secured a hundred million round funding. And they actually look more like sunglasses, a little bit Larry sunglasses, a bit like a kind of sporty Oakley with Enreal plastered on the edge. But they're the huge round of investment and it shows the interest in this area. And I think if the smartphone is in your pocket, one of the big plays about the, the Apple Watch, which I think only works to a certain extent, is that you don't have to keep getting your phone out of your pocket. And I think what we'll see is your smartphone in your pocket more often when you need to use a utility, yeah, you pull it out, use that utility and it pops back in. And if we get to a stage where you look more normal wearing mixed reality glasses and they're, they're more acceptable and they're in better form factors and they're more stylish and people start to wear them more, I think that information that we crave on directions, on reviews outside of a restaurant before we go in, I think we'll see a lot of voice come in and it'll be like, hey, glasses, what's the review on this restaurant? And you look at the restaurant and the glasses say four out of five stars. But your mate Danny ate here and he gave it five. So you should go in. That real time information overlay, looking at a TV, the price and information can come up in your glasses and the reviews and blah, blah, blah. We could go on forever. But those type things, meaning that you get your smartphone out of your pocket less. And if you've got camera functionality, which we've seen with the Ray-Ban glass release, if you've got that camera and snap as well, if you've got that camera functionality baked in, you don't need to get your phone out for your camera unless it's front-facing camera video calling. So I think what we'll see potentially if the experiences are good enough, we still crave that information. Mixed reality glasses, AR, doing that. And then if we really want to get to in-home experience, getting together with other people, with a sense of presence and connection, feeling like you're there. I think the VR can step into that realm and I think we can have these really rich experiences. I was thinking about it like today, right? So one of someone I know went to see No Time to Die at the Royal Albert Hall or wherever it was for the premiere. He was like waxing lyrical about it. He's a big Bond fan. He's like this incredible, can't wait to download it Friday. And I was like, the best thing about Bond, I love going to Bond in the cinema. It's, it's brilliant. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to the cinema. I've got a lot on at the minute. I don't know if I'm going to get to the cinema to, to watch it. I do really want to see it. Maybe I'll download it on Friday. And my mind instantly went to, I'll tell you where I'd love to watch that, on my VR headset. Because it's like having a 150-inch screen, like at the cinema, in your face. I watch Netflix on there. It's incredible. You're not distracted by your smartphone. You really get into it. You can do spatial audio on some things like Disney Plus with your AirPods and that spatial audio component will continue to develop. And these are rich at-home experiences without distraction. They are a little bit singular in that example. But like I said earlier, social VR experiences, meeting places in the virtual are going to become bigger and make these things inherently more social and why can't i be in a virtual cinema look to my left see a few mates and i've sent them an invite to say hey come watch the film with me we'll watch the film and then we'll break out into a kind of like lobby area and talk about the film like book club style like or be trying to drink with our virtual headsets on and realize you have to drink through a straw because you can't tip the glass up enough when you're wearing a big bulky headset but that's a different it'll get smaller but all these things will be 
different experience, digital experiences that we're going to have. And they will all be connected in some way to the smartphone. I agree. I think that was your, your future state as well. From uh... I've blown it. I've blown the load too early. Future state done. Let's wrap it up. I know. Most of what you said, I, I completely agree with. Just for context, Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter and Square, only uses his mobile phone. For, uh, and only has done for four years or so. So it's interesting to see these these big leaders who are notorious emailers like sitting at a laptop. He definitely doesn't do that. But a lot of the things you said are really interesting. There's a bigger battle that a lot of the Apple, Google, etc. are fighting at the moment is trying to power cars. It's going to be a while before the next form factor really starts being truly considered by mm. these big businesses. So I think that Android powering Hondas and Fords and whatever else is would take that team away from Google mm. and, and Android. So I think that's one thing to call out early on. The dual form factor is something that I talk around a lot. I think we're multi-device, we're always wearing, using different devices. So think around this sort of way, and I referenced it again in that talk this week, is when you're on your laptop for work purposes, there's a good proportion of people that are on their mobile phone. So actually, like you can't just do, you can't just rely on a desktop, you can't just rely on a mobile. So we're still quite a way away from that. But I do agree, I think we're going to be in this place where we'll need the mobile phone and something else. So I think the, the watch has really highlighted how important less screen time is from a big screen and how you can change your behaviours based on notifications. And that's what the watch did for me. And I've still got my Gen 1 and... It still works. And it's still good. Then you've got like the ability to have glasses or lenses or, or something that makes it a little bit more natural. So you're not continuously moving to react to, to your phone. And I do think there's going to be more input. So I think there's going to be less typing generally. But I think there's going to be more voice and more gestures. I actually think you'll be gesturing a little bit more normally. And that will be able to interpret it. And I think you'll be able to do your own gestures. And I think the mobile will be able to understand that based on either a wrist watch or a wristband that will understand that. I think that um, we're going to be voice. I'm not a huge user of I don't actually think it's good enough. That's the funny thing that I always call out is people think their phone's listening to them because they get an ad on something. If it can't understand you on Siri or Google Assistant or can't remember the song, that they can't work out the song that's playing, it's not going to be that good at, at voice commands for a long time. So I think that's something to just to bear in mind. But AR is going to, going to be the next platform that these companies want to build out and build on. The app companies are doing it, so the big companies are doing it via apps. I think Apple and Google, etc., are going to probably bake it into OSs. So you can, you can be an avatar, you can change, or you can change your appearance really quickly, or you can decide what profile you want and change it. So slightly metaverse but I won't go into that too much. I do think that the neural links and the stuff that people have been talking about for a while isn't going to happen. It's a step too far. If we can't all agree on ways to tackle viruses, we're not going to work a way that we're going to be able to embed something in our heads or arms or wrists. If Amazon have proven, you can, yeah. If Amazon have proved you can pay with your palm, or pay with or a thumbprint, or you can walk around, then there's probably another way that we'll do that. 
I do think we'll be chase we're replacing common use cases pretty quickly though. But it's gonna be extremely difficult. And these big businesses that make billions of, of pounds and dollars every year won't want to move away from the mobile. So I think we've got two colliding worlds. We've got the ones that that want to force change and and be it enable a healthier connection with technology and then you've got the other side that rely on it and i don't think we're ever going to get to that point where we'll be able to have a happy medium so i think the mobile's here to stay but something i do think people should think around is if the phone got larger or got smaller which one would you choose and why because your you pay with your you pay with your wallet all the time it's just whether you want to have something that's bigger and more intrusive, we want something that's less intrusive, but something you probably have to spend a little bit more time on. But my future state is multi-device. It's always going to be multi-device for a few years, at least a decade, I think. But I think it's going to be watch or wrist. It'll be eyes or head, and it'll be plus the major device, which would be more mobile. mobile you know, like cell, hand, handset. So some people might go to iPad, many other Others might go with something that's a large watch, but that's my future state. Do people carry dogs carry? <laughs> they'll, they'll hold a big iPad to their face, zero shame. But you I don't even need it because you've got so many connected, you've yeah. got your wireless headphones. That's the thing. I think if you can access information from different touch points and voice command and everything else, I think we'll get to a stage in kind of 10 years or something like that where it's so seamless. Like, it doesn't matter on your device. Your device is basically a receiver, a transmitter. It's like, it's in your pocket. Shall I jump into my future stakes? So I was cool. 10 years in the future. Was that yours, by the way? Just for clarification. Yeah, they were all of my, they were my five. five or six. Yeah, yeah it was quick fire lights. And you didn't steal too many of mine. But so for me, the, the future state of the smartphone is that its importance grows, but it, its importance grows in a different way its importance grows from a tool perspective, a utility perspective, a transmitter and receiver, a data perspective, a control center perspective. It is your control center that sits in your pocket, your computer, and people will start to rely on smartphones more, but actually the physical device less. It's what that smartphone can do for you in different areas, whether it's smartwatch, mixed reality glasses, VR headsets, earphones, voice, it's going to be the hub that kind of keeps all that rolling. But I just think we're going to hopefully take away more from the reliance on screen time on the smartphone. I think the advertisers are, are know this. I think that AR is becoming huge and AR based ads are also becoming huge. And merging the digital and the physical with more experiences. So I think the smartphone is going to power that crossover between physical and digital. And it's going to actually power such experiences that are going to really make it fascinating to explore the intersection of the physical and digital worlds. And video calling to continue to be big, which you will need front-facing camera for, which I think is something that we're seeing a huge uptake in right now. And I think that will continue, especially in this kind of hybrid world. And I welcome it because I was worried about too many people sitting behind computers and where that cut through is going to happen. I think in terms of VR and smartphones, 
being linked and powering VR experiences. It's about really social presence. How can we be more present with others in a digital experience if you're looking at social VR? And I think it's about like really connecting people in a different way that defies distance. And I think it's about storytelling as well. I think that the way that you can give a different person's perspective from something like a VR experience, it builds empathy and perspective through that storytelling. You can put yourself in the shoes of someone else and experience something else. So I think there's so many rich experiences and regardless of the device that you're experiencing these things through, that the smartphone will be there to power things in some way, shape or form, whether it's initial setup, whether it's data on the move to complement your kind of Wi-Fi at home. The smartphone is really here to stay and is the central hub that everything's being built around. And also, if you look at Apple venturing into mixed reality and AR, the smart you'll have to have that smartphone to power the glasses in some way, shape or form. Initially, it could be a lead that runs from the edge of the glasses down your back into your smartphone. It's a battery plus connective capability. And obviously, when the battery and the technology gets small enough to be in the glasses and you can get good enough displays in the glasses at a small enough level, that might become more wireless in the same way that we've seen wires disappear from pretty much every technology we've seen come over the past 30 years to become wireless. So that will follow as well. I think the smartphone is very much here to stay. I think it's going to change in terms of its core usages. I think it's going to power a lot more in our touch points and ecosystems. And I think that Apple's <laughs> dominance will continue. And uh, it will be interesting to see how the ecosystem of devices that develops around the smartphone, what happens in that space and who starts to win the wars. Will Apple have more dominance through mixed reality or VR? Facebook are in this game, obviously with the try to Google glasses probably a little bit early, but we'll see it. It's a fascinating space, but for certain that the smartphone right now and for the foreseeable is here to stay because the power that it packs into your pocket and the things it can do and our reliance on it means that it's not going anywhere quickly. And um, even if other devices come along, it's going to be the backbone that powers everything. That was nice and succinct. I try. We're running on good time today. The, the next phase is, is going to be Apple-powered, Google-powered, but maybe in a slightly different way. And I think keep an eye out for buying an extra device to keep you connected whether that's like Nick said, glasses, headwear, wristwear, or you know, some have even tried fashion before. So we might see, might see another take on that. So uh, I think next week we're going to do uh, another pitch episode, and it's Nick's turn to grill me. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode around the future of food nutrition, you hear a grumpy shark in me and Nick pitching his his future idea. So. Thanks again for listening. We have the futurestate.co.uk, which is a newsletter which gives all of our notes, breakdown and, and the tables and insights on there. We send it out so you get an update straight away when the episodes go live. So please do subscribe uh, and then give us any feedback you like. We've received a couple of good pieces of feedback recently. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.